BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. It's not a very long clip, but when you listen to this, what you're hearing is apparently shelling against a Russian ship moored for just a couple of days in the port city of Berdyansk in the southeast of Ukraine, just about 45 miles southwest of the strategic and besieged city of Mariupol. And if the videos are correct and the post by Ukrainian military is accurate, this ship has been destroyed by fire. One video, the one you just heard, shows incoming shells attacking the ship from an unidentified source. A second video shows giant plumes of fire billowing out of the apparently destroyed or in the process of being destroyed ship. We know that earlier this week, according to TASS, the Russian state-run news agency, that the armed forces for Russia had docked the Orsk and Berdyansk to deliver military equipment, an arrival that the Russian military described as an epic event that opens up opportunities for the Black Sea in terms of logistics by using the port of Berdyansk's infrastructure to the full extent. The Orsk can carry 1,500 tons of equipment, up to 20 tanks or 40 APCs, and would clearly represent a new strategic launch point for Russian military and resupply in the offensive against Mariupol. However, the Ukrainians claim that they've destroyed it. In the post on Facebook that accompanied photos and video, the Ukrainian military said the Orsk large landing ship of the Black Sea fleet of the occupiers in the temporarily Russian-captured port of Berdyansk. A more succinct version on Twitter from Ukrainians' military, the occupiers are burning well. This comes after this week's revelation that the Pentagon assesses Russia has lost approximately 10% of its combat capabilities since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. NATO assesses the deaths among Russian soldiers to be anywhere between 7,000 and 15,000. And the widespread reporting seems to indicate that instead of continuing on the offensive, Russian forces are beginning to entrench in an effort to hold on to the ground that they've already captured and may well be abandoning the prospect of advancing any further. Meanwhile, civilians in Berdyansk joined together in song protesting the Russian occupation. If the past month's worth of fighting has shown anything, it's that the Ukrainians most certainly do not view the Russians as friendly liberators. Do you remember when gasoline was just around $2 a gallon, say in 2009 or 2016? or 2020? Well, of course, now it's significantly more than that. About 4.23 a gallon is a national average, according to AAA, on Wednesday. Well, several lawmakers have come up with what they think are a remedy to try to alleviate the pain of the pocketbook for the average American. One proposal called the Gas Rebate Act, and I'm a big believer in federal acronyms, so this would be the GRA, has been proposed by Representatives Mike Thompson of California, John Larson of Connecticut, and Lauren Underwood of Illinois, all Democrats, this would basically send Americans a check, an energy rebate of $100 a person with another $100 for each dependent for any month in which the national average of gas is over $4 a gallon. It'd be a lot like the stimulus checks we got during COVID in 20 and 21. Anybody earning less than 75000 a year would be eligible for the full amount, which would phase out to $80,000, uh, $150 and $160 for joint filers. 
A second proposal called the Big Oil Windfall Profits Tax, or BAUPT, was put forward by Representatives Rokana from California and Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, again, both Democrats, and this would tax large oil and gas companies and use the revenue to send consumers a quarterly rebate. The Baupete would charge a per-barrel tax equal to 50% of the difference between current barrel oil price and the pre-pandemic barrel oil price between 2015 and 2019, kind of looking at the baseline before and now and taking 50% out of the margin. If the price per barrel is around 120, the tax would raise around $45 billion a year, and this would send filers in the vicinity of $240 a year, joint filers more like 360 again with a phase-out that would basically end at $75,000 for single filers or $150 for joint filers. And then finally, a third proposal, the Stop Gas Price Gouging Tax and Rebate Act, or Sugapugatura, comes from Representative Peter DeFazio of Oregon, and this would basically be a one-time 50% windfall profit tax on any adjusted taxable income in 22 that exceeds 10% above the average ATI during pre-pandemic levels of 2015 and 2019. Again, if gas companies make too much money, he's going to swipe 50% of that and pass it back to the taxpayers. Whether any of these proposals goes anywhere has yet to be determined, but those are some of the ideas that Democrat legislators are floating in order to solve what they generally blame on the Russian invasion of Ukraine as the cause of the increase in gas prices for people. And finally, from the gender equality file, a team of scientists made headlines this week after stating that an in-development male birth control compound has been 99% effective in animal tests. The male contraceptive, which is taken orally, targets a protein in the body called the retinoic acid receptor alpha, or RARA, which plays a part in cell growth and sperm formation, and basically they can shut it off in the cells. When given to male mice for four weeks, it reduced sperm counts and was 99% effective in preventing pregnancy without any observable side effects. That's according to a press release from the American Chemical Society. When taken off of the treatment, mice began to father babies again within four to six weeks. According to Gunda Georg, head of the Department of Medical Chemistry at the University of Minnesota, human clinical trials are set to begin in the third or fourth quarter of 2022. Of course, at present, the only two alternatives available to men are condoms and the other one that starts with a V. But there are several alternate methods being investigated. For example, a hormonal male birth control pill, 11-beta-methyl-19-nortestosterone-dodecylcarbonate, thank you very much, works by reducing levels of hormones required for sperm production. A phase one trial of the pill going on at the University of Washington School of Medicine and UCLA found that it does work, but side effects included fatigue, acne, and headaches. So you don't make babies, but you return to puberty. Another type of pill called DMA undecanoate also works by suppressing male hormones to decrease sperm production and is under investigation. Of course, it should be noted that uh, hormonal pills used by women also involve many side effects, weight gain, headaches, sore breasts, irregular periods, mood changes, and decreased sexual desire, according to the American Academy of Family Physicians. For those not interested in either hormones or the new in-development pill, there is another method being tried called ADAM. It would work by, and here I can only say prepare yourself, by injecting a gel into the vas deferens tube. It then solidifies, blocking sperm physically from traveling, and that gel block eventually liquefies and flows out. So whether you prefer the block-and-tackle approach, the return-to-puberty maybe-as-a-side-effect approach, or the new in-development works-on-mice-99%-of-the-time approach with apparently no side effects, there are many different research teams working to give men something comparable to female birth control. 
Well, that's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. I'd also like you to hit that five-star review before you go. I really appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.